We here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. about God's dream for the world. God's dream for the world. And um, it's God's dream. So what is God's dream? It is important to realize then that God's dream is for the world. It's not just for the church. Okay? John 3.16 said, For God so loved the, the church. No, He loved the world that He made the church, basically. He birthed the church through Christ. And it's so important for us to know that. So um, yesterday, one thing I've learned in the last two, three weeks, like we know this, but it's, it's awesome ministry opportunity when you serve people like serve people or serve alongside people and that's what i've shared a bit about the first year's fair last week how we served the stall next to us by helping them pack out um, and pack down and when the whole stall blew away and in that we started spiritual conversations and in those spiritual conversations we could really ask some good questions minister to these people and then the same yesterday while we were painting and um, sanding down and sanding and then um we had like a grinder, so it was nice. And we, we sanded down this wooden um, jungle gym. And uh, there were some people from other churches and other volunteers there as well. And it's awesome how you, how you get to sort of just ask some questions. And uh, obviously you start the conversation, who are you, where are you from, those type of things. Um, and then uh, sometimes, mostly people return those questions. And then you smile because now you can tell them about Jesus. Amen. <laughs> And in serving yesterday and just rubbing down, one of the guys there, one of the volunteers, he said, so you're a pastor, what are you speaking about tomorrow? I was like, what a good question. I said, well, I'm speaking about God's dream. What do you think it is? What do you think is God's dream for the world? And um, see, a, a, a good trick in ministry that we've learned from Jesus is to ask questions. And that's why I asked those questions. And I said, okay, so, so what do you think God's dream is? And he gave his answer and it wasn't a bad answer, but I want to ask you this morning as well. What is God's dream? And someone referred to the picture and said, well, it's a, it's a blue car. And if you know me, I've spoken about my dream for a navy blue BMW 3 Series a long time ago. But, I mean, that's not God's dream. God's dream is something else. God's dream is something more. God's dream is literally amazing. God's dream, let me give it away, God's dream is you. But it's also the person next to you. God's dream is for the world, but God's dream is the world. It's every person on earth, and He wants to be one with them. He wants to live with them. What is God's dream? Now, Hebrews 11.39 says, All these people earned a good reputation. So if you know your Bible, Hebrews 11 is what? The Hall of Faith. Okay? That is where all the, the faith people are mentioned. And they're mentioning these faith people, and they're telling them all the things that they've done. And then it says in verse 39, All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. Underline, make a note, make sure you know that. Because we can go through Hebrews 11 and we read through it and we feel like, oh, Moses is so amazing. Abraham was this father of faith. And how can I ever get there? And then we start off in verse 1 and it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Now I want to tell you, faith is Christ. Amen? But that's a different message. Jesus is the substance of the promise and He came to fruition. And all of them that lived before Christ did not get what? The fullness of the promise. You can go and read that in many different translations and it will bless you. It says, None of them received all that God had promised. 
Who? Abraham, Moses, David even is mentioned there, Samuel, Samson. Now what does that mean? Verse 14. For God had something better in mind for us. God had a dream, and the dream was not faith. The dream was the substance of faith. The fullness of faith. All that God had for us installed was not found in the Old Testament. The substance of God's dream is promised in the Old Testament, but it's not fulfilled there. It's not found there. It is different. It is more. And then we go on to Romans 12, and it gives it away, because it says, now we're looking unto Christ, who for the joy that was set before Him did what? Endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. What is the joy that was set before Christ? Forgiveness of sins. Not just that, no. Our sins has been forgiven so that Christ can now be poured out in us. The Spirit of Christ now becomes one with us. I mean, I'm so excited about this message this morning. Romans 7 verse 4 says, Wherefore, my brethren, you are also become dead to the law by the body of Christ. How did we, how did we die to the cross? Ach, to the law. Through Christ. Okay, so for some of us, we need to realize, we need to wake up to the fact, the revelation, that we are dead to the law. Maybe that's you this morning. Welcome to Grace Life. Welcome to the forgiveness. Welcome to the great side of life where it is not about what you do, but about what Christ has done and the law has been fulfilled. The word is full of it where it says, the law can make no one perfect. Amen? If you want to fill under the law, you're never going to reach perfection. If you want to do Christianity on a do and don't list, the good and bad, you're never going to reach perfection because there is something more given, something more promised, something more that God dreamed of. Dead to the law by the body of Christ. Why? So that you could be married to another. Again, the law was fulfilled, not just to fulfill the law. The law was fulfilled so that you can enter into something new, something better, something more. So that you can be married, if you will, to another. Even to Him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Where is fruit? Fruit comes from intimacy. Intimacy comes from marriage. Marriage is a covenant. And in the covenant sense, if you, are, if you are in covenant with one, only if that person dies can you enter into covenant with another. And then the same is with, true with us. Once we've dared to the covenant of the law, now through Christ we are married to Christ. But now guess what? You're not married to Jesus that you see in the chosen. That's important. You are married to the resurrected Christ. You are married to Christ we see in the book of Revelation. The great white. Not like Gandalf the Grey, no. The amazing one. Amen? God's dream has never been the law. The law leads to His dream. It is that we should die to the law, be born again, becoming one with His Son, Christ, and then go on and bear fruit. Now that's why this is a new series, but it also builds on what we've shared about, about increased fruitfulness in the last four weeks. Because all of it is to bear fruit. And guess what? God says He wants fruit that will remain. Okay, am I the only excited one this morning? It's fine, I'll keep on going. God wants us to bear fruit, but not just be a flash in the pan. He wants you to bear fruit that remains, okay? So John 14 says in verse 16 from the Passion, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you... The Passion makes a very interesting point there. It says another Savior. Now that's not the message today, but you can go study that out. The Holy Spirit of truth. So Christ saying there's another Savior coming. will be to you a friend just like me. And He will never leave you. God wants to be what? What is God's dream? That you will sin no more. No. 
God's dream is that you will be his friend. His intimate friend. Natasha is my best friend. She's also my wife. That is the relationship that God wants with you. And he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. Why? Because it's a spirit. But you will know him intimately. What is intimately? The best word for intimacy is into me you see. God wants you to see into who he is. His true nature, his true revelation. Because he will make his home in you and will live inside of you. You know what? God's dream is salvation and salvation is the spirit of God living in man. I'm going to say that again because that's different than what you grew up with. God's dream is salvation, and salvation is not just the forgiveness of sins. Salvation is the Spirit of God indwelling you and now living in you forever. This is life eternal, that you know me. It's the same word, genoskos. It's an intimate knowing. Knowing intimately, speaking of marriage. John 17, 2, and uh, from the Passion says, You have already given me authority over all people, so that I may give the gift of eternal life to all those you have given me. What has Christ come to do? To get back the authority that Adam lost so that he can do something else. Romans 5 is amazing. You must go read it. Romans 5 says, It is not just what Adam lost that Christ gained, but much more. Many times in Romans 5 you see the words much more. So Adam lost this because of sin, much more now you've been reconciled. Adam did this, much more now Christ is risen, Christ is for you, Christ is in you, Christ is through you. Much more now. You have already given me that authority, but I may give the gift of eternal life. So how can you work for a gift? As soon as you work for a gift, it's not a gift anymore. You can't earn it. You can just receive it. Okay, so it's my birthday soon. I'll tell you when so you can give me gifts no, so that I can work for it. No. If, it's not a, if, if I work for it, then it's not a gift. Eternal life means... I love these verses, verse 3. You don't need a certificate. You don't need me. You can just read and you'll understand. It says, Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son whom you have sent. Without getting visual, know and experience speaks about marriage. It speaks about covenant. It speaks about intimacy. God's dream is, is intimacy. It's oneness. Now don't you think God's dream will align with God's gift? Because God's gift is eternal life through His Son, experiencing the Holy Spirit, and then obviously that is the gift and the dream. New Living Translation, verse 3 says, And this is the way to have eternal life. I love this translation. What is eternal life? How do I get it? That's a great question, by the way. If you don't have the answer, listen. It says, To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent to earth. This is how you get eternal life. It is to hear about Jesus, to accept the message, to believe in Him, and when you do that, you become one with Him, and you're one with His Spirit, and you're empowered to live forever. How good is that? It's not this not next step, next step, next step, next step, or this journey of holiness. No, once you're dead, you're dead. You can't be more dead. Okay? Paul writes and he says in what's it, Galatians 2, this, I am no longer, it's no longer I that live, yet Christ lives in me. The life that I now live, I live through Christ because he died for me, gave himself for me. He gave me his space, his place, he gave me his life, he gave me his power. How do we live forever? We believe, we receive.
John 14, 26. But when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, He will teach you all things in my name. And He will inspire you to remember every word that I've told you. New King James. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So He will teach you the true reality and then He will remind you that Christ promised the true new reality. The Holy Spirit doesn't bring anything new. Christ didn't bring anything new. What Christ said and what He did was prophesied in the Old. Because in Luke 4, verse 17 and 18, He says, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And He stands up in the synagogue and He reads Isaiah 61. Because He didn't come with a new idea. He came to fulfill Isaiah 61. And He says, Today this is the fulfilling of it. We'll see now in Acts 2, what, what, what is the highlight of God's dream. But He says there, when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, the Helper, the Holy One, the Holy Spirit, the One who sets you free, He will teach you all things in My name, and He will inspire you to remember every word. If you take your Bible, there's the Old Testament, which we call Old, then there's a white page. And if you were here last year, we told you that's a waste of paper. Okay. Then we go on to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can add Acts with that. That is... That is, um, it's not necessarily doctrinal, that is narrative, that is journalistic writing. It is telling you the story of what has happened and what they've seen. Okay? And then so much happens that the people don't really know what has happened. So God goes and finds this guy who's killing the church, Paul, Saul then. And he, he, he finds him on his donkey on his way to kill people. And he knocks him off his donkey, not with a club, but with light. Amen? Because that's who God is. He's light, His life, His glory. And He stands up and He says, Lord, Lord, who are you? And guess what? We have the privilege to tell Saul who Christ is, we as people, because God doesn't have that privilege. Because He sends another man, Ananias, to what? Share the gospel with Paul. Paul doesn't get born again on the road to Damascus. Paul gets born again when Ananias shares with him the gospel. That's the only way you can get born again. And it says that there's things like, um, things fall of his eyes and what happens? He can see. Isaiah 61, to give sight to the blind. Speaks about spiritual reality, spiritual blindness. And the Old Testament, people thought like it's all about doing. It's all about just being part of Abraham's lineage. Well, if you read, God said, through Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. But somehow the Hebrews, the Israelites said, but it's only us that's blessed. Because we are sons of Abraham. And then Paul writes Galatians to explain that. And says, but it's not the seeds of Abraham, Galatians 3.16, I believe. But it's seed, singular, which is the Christ. And through Christ now, the seed of Abraham, now the whole world is blessed. And now Jesus gets up and uh, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why? Because that is God's dream all along. But now when Christ dies, we've got something to give, something to share. We've got the message. We've got the good news. We've got the seed that gives life, and that life is for eternity. Amen? And with that comes a gift. And the gift is Christ Himself in spirit form. So what I'm saying about the Bible, the vision of that. So we're looking at John 14. John 14 is in the story setting of Christ living and among us. 
Christ walking, Christ being birthed in Bethlehem. Which is amazing, by the way, because Bethlehem is called the city of bread, and it was in the agricultural area of Israel. Okay? It was this the Brut Mainki van Israel. If you go to Kansas in America, that's where the farmlands are. So this is Bethlehem. And if you go back all the way to Ruth, Ruth goes where? Ruth goes to Bethlehem with Naomi. Naomi went to Moab, but Ruth goes to Bethlehem. And Ruth then has a son through... Now you guys have to help me. Boaz. <laughs> if it's too cold, then uh, please tell Paul. He'll make a plan. Or oh, Henry's making a plan. <laughs> Last week it was, it was fun and games here. We had uh, generators kicking in and jumping out. So what happens? Ruth goes to the, the, the um, Bethlehem. She goes to the Brut Mainki of Israel. And it's very interesting. If you read the book of Ruth, it says, And she arrived at the start of the barley harvest. It's not by coincidence, okay? Now she has a son, and that son has a son, and that son's name is Jesse, and Jesse has a son, and Jesse's name is David. His son's name is David. Nothing in the Old Testament is wasted, if you will. Nothing is what it seems. The, the psalmist spoke about dark sayings. He says the stories of old are dark sayings of something deeper, something more. Now we have the revelation coming. And we'll see in Acts 2. Now, it says in verse 1, the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, the disciples were gathered in one place. And I went and I did some research and I searched Pentecost. And I searched Pentecost and guess what? If you search Pentecost, it doesn't come up in any of your Old Testament books. I was like, that's weird because this is the Old Testament feast. But the word Penta is, comes from five, so it was 50 days after Passover. Okay? 50 days after Passover, there was a feast called Pentecost, but it was actually the Feast of Harvest. Lovely. The Feast of Harvest. Now, now you need to start, the, the, the lights need to start, go, start going off now. I'm not talking about these lights, I'm talking about your understanding. So we've got Ruth going back, a Gentile woman becoming the great-grandmother of David, then who is the great-grandfather of Christ, going back to Bethlehem, and she arrives at the start of the harvest. Now, interesting enough, when the Israelites now, um, when, they, when they celebrated the, the Pentecost, they celebrated the Feast of the Harvest. Again, now that's also where first fruits come from, but that's a whole different teaching. It's got nothing to do with your finances. Christ is the first fruit. And the first fruit offered, the whole harvest is holy. So Christ is the first among many brethren. So when He is offered, now everyone that is according to that harvest is now also holy. I mean, isn't that amazing? Isn't that freeing? So we get to be generous with our finances. We don't have to. Because otherwise the word says, not grudgingly nor of necessity, but as you purposed in your heart, so give. That's why we don't send around a bucket because you're going to feel like who's going to watch me. And then you're not doing it out of your heart, out of your generosity. We want you to arrive and say, where is the bucket? Because why? Because I've prepared my heart. Because I'm generous. Because I want to be part of this family. I want to be a blessing. I want to be part of the harvest. I'm not getting, giving to get. I'm giving because I have. Amen? You can only give what you've got. The, 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 it's not a wishing well. Amen? Jesus is the well. The living waters. What we put in there is not going to multiply spontaneously. 
sorry, I'm going into finances now, that's not the plan. But I want to just set you free to live generously, not out of necessity, nor grudgingly, but with a cheerful heart. God loves hilarious generosity, the Passion Translation says. Why? Because He is hilariously generous. He not only gave Christ, He gave the Spirit. He not only fulfilled the law, He not only just dealt with the curse, but He came out to give Himself, because His dream has forever been not to be alone, to be with you. And all throughout the Old Testament, you see now the puzzle pieces come together. We had a, a, a series last year called um, Bekent Marken. can't remember the English one. But uh, it was all about Christ in the Old Testament, the writings of Moses, how it all points to Him. Back to the harvest. So we go and we, we celebrate with the Israelites. That's what's happening uh, in Acts 2. And what they did, funny enough, at, the, at that feast, they read the story of Ruth. Amazing. Now, in the story of Ruth, God's name is not mentioned. Not once. But it speaks about a kinsman redeemer. It speaks about, she goes to Boaz and she says to Boaz, you are my redeemer. And he says, no, there's another one who's a closer relative. But then guess what? That one does only want the land. He doesn't want the lady. That's the law. Only wants the, the, the performance. It doesn't want the cost. But you know what? Love is not about land. Love is about people. And Christ really is the picture of Boaz. And Boaz saying, listen, I'll take this Gentile woman, this widow woman, this has been, if you will. And I'm going to make her a part of my family. And guess what? It's not going to stop here, but there's so much more. Because out of her is going to come Jesse. And out of Jesse is going to come David. And out of David is going to come Christ. And out of Christ is going to come us. So when we celebrate the harvest, we celebrate Pentecost, we don't need to celebrate it anymore because it says in Acts 2, then that is the fulfillment of the feast. And you know what they did? There was a big word that I'll get to in a bit. But what they did is they poured out some grain as an offering. They poured out some juice or some wine as an offering to deities. And that is really the picture of the Holy Spirit is not us offering to God anymore. Look at this. But now God pouring out on us. It's amazing. What the offering used to be is we offer what we've got to Christ. And even in different pagan religions, they had this, this outpouring because they wanted, they wanted food. Let's be honest. They didn't want to go hungry. So they had the, this God of fertility and the God of agriculture. And they would offer what they had to this God to impress this God. And God says, hey, whoa. This is not how it works. This is not about what you give me. This feast has all along been about what I give you. Because if you think about Ruth, when she arrives, she didn't plant one seed. Did she? No. But she arrives at the time of the harvest. And then Jesus says to the disciples, what the harvest is ready, but someone else planted. And it wasn't you. It wasn't the Pharisees. It wasn't the Sadducees. Who was it? Of God. Because God says, unless a seed of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will not bear fruit. But if it does, it will bear much fruit. Who is that seed? It is Christ. Who gave that seed? God. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He planted a seed so that there can be a harvest. And now the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. It's fulfilled. Because not only is it about the harvest of food and fruit and grain and wine. No, it has never been about that. The harvest is me and you. And how do we get this harvest? We get this harvest when we receive. 
We become the harvest, if you will, as the Spirit is poured out by whom? By Christ Himself. So Christ goes and He dies and He gets risen, He gets ascended, and now all authority is given back to Him. We just looked at these verses, you probably missed it, some of you, so that He can give a gift, so that He can pour out the Spirit. What does Ruth do? Ruth goes and she picks up and she gleans and she picks up some, um, some barley. And what does Boaz tell the workers? Drop extra. Drop extra for her. She didn't plant it. She didn't cut it. She didn't... She's just picking it up. But give her some extra. And when she needs a break, bring her with us. Give her some water. Give her lunch. Send her home with food, with more than enough. Go read Ruth this week. Because we'll speak about it some more. But it is an amazing, amazing story with so much depth. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, or came to be fulfilled. The word fulfilled there in the Greek means to fill completely. The 50th day after the harvest. So it is so profound because obviously Passover has been fulfilled because of Christ. He is the Lamb. One offering for all sins for all eternity according to Hebrews 10. You see how the Bible works. So Christ says, this is my body, this is my, my blood. Drink this, eat this. this is, you've been drinking and eating this, pointing to me. That is the Last Supper. Now he goes and now the next feast needs to be fulfilled, which is Pentecost. Because Pentecost is 50 days after Passover, but if Passover is no longer happening, how can you have Pentecost, because where are you going to start counting 50 days from? You see, Christ came to fulfill the old, not to diminish it, not to demolish it, not to break down the law, but to show you the true intent. And the true intent is, as His own words, Christ said, Moses wrote about me. You thought God was angry and it was all about rules and regulations and keeping a holy group. No, it was all showing you in a carnal sense what can now be translated into the supernatural spiritual sense. So now Pentecost is being fulfilled. How? Not by us giving to God. No, He's now giving to us because the harvest is ready. Because the Spirit has been poured out. Look at verse 3. Um, from uh, The Passion says, Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. That word engulfed means to become one with so if you see if, you, if i'm engulfed by fire right now praise god i'm not but think about that for a moment just this will you see me no almost going to formula one again but i get into trouble when i do that but when there's an accident and the car is engulfed with a flame you can't see the driver okay the holy spirit came and he engulfed the believers and they were all filled and equipped says the passion translation and were inspired. So it's so important there. Filled, first of all, engulfed. Filled, equipped, and inspired. So it's not just a little bit and the Holy Spirit word, like, Biki for Yo Arman and a Biki for Paul and Biki for Luane. No, it is engulfed. It is filled. It is to the overflow. It is equipped by the Holy Spirit. Now you're inspired to speak in tongues. And guess what? You're not just blabbering. No, but what all of them who spoke in other tongues, what, did, what were they speaking? They were proclaiming the gospel. And they were making God's name big. 
Because the writer says, goes on, Luke, and he says, and those who were of every area basically said, who are these people who are making God's name big in our own languages? Aren't they all Galileans? Aren't they all from one place? How can they speak these languages? What happens? Romans 8 and verse 9 says, but when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And if you are, not, you are not joined to the Spirit of the Anointed One, you are not of Him. You see, Romans now writes to explain to us the picture that we see in the book of Acts. Because now we see flames, and where's the flame, and where is the, the tower of flame, and, and the pillar of flame, and, and what is really happening. So Luke is only telling us the story of what he's seen, now Paul goes on and he writes, this is what it meant. And he says that you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So this verse makes it very clear that without the Spirit, you are not born again. So it cannot be a separate encounter. Yes, I said that. What we call baptism in the Holy Spirit, I believe, is just an awakening and an explaining of what happened when we received Christ. Because we did receive Christ in the Spirit form, didn't we? Because I don't know about you, but if Jesus is shorter than I am, then we have a problem. Because how can I be in Him and He be in me then? Yes, I'm one with Christ in the Spirit. He who is joined to the Lord is one Spirit with Him. So now we have an awakening, we have an explaining, we have an understanding, if you will. And you can even have hands laid on you and you can, you can activate what you've already got. Because the word says, fan into flame, stir up the gift. But we, we do a disservice to salvation if we tell people you need more, five more steps to get into holiness or to get, become like Christ. You receive God, obviously in spirit form, because God is a spirit. And if the preacher or the evangelist does a good enough job, you don't need to be baptized in the spirit. Because if part of the message is salvation is God coming to live in you. Because how else are you going to live forever? Because God is the only eternal one. Okay, I'm saying a lot of things now, but this is really key. And we've built up to this. So let me just say one thing. The word says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So what we think, performance-minded Westerners, we think those who sin. Christ dies for those who do wrong, who don't perform. That's not what that verse says. That verse says, while we were sinners, while we were missing something crucial, a life-giving part, if you will, that's the Greek. Christ died for who? Those without God. The Hordeluses. Yes. Those who are without God. That's what it means. It's not those who sin and those who are Hitler's cousins and stuff like that. It is those who are missing this life-giving part. Because now Christ comes and He gives us the Spirit, and the Spirit is the part of us who's going to actually live forever. 
I don't know about you, but that set me free. Because a sinner then is missing a crucial part. Now I receive the part. Now it makes a lot of logical sense. And now I can live forever. But what is that part? It's the Spirit. It's not just any Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. Because Romans 8 again here says that if we do not have that Spirit, we are not His. We are not of Him. Salvation is the Spirit of God in man, in us. This is how we get born again. This is how we live forever can I tell you a secret? This is God's dream all along. The Old Testament all pointed to this. Because before the foundation of the earth, this was already God's plan. This is, can I give you another secret? This is the reason for creation. Creation is not where God could show off. No, creation is where we could live so God could live in us. You are the apple of God's eye. You are the center of His creation. But guess what? God's dream goes further than me and you. Because there's a world out there that is part of God's dream. And that's the unfulfilled part. And you and I have the privilege, the invitation to help fulfill God's dream. Let that sink in. If I know my dad really wants something, say he wants a, a gift, then I go out of my way and I, I speak to my brother and my sister and we, we get money together and we tell family, this is what we're going to do. Do you want to be part of it? Because why? We want to make my dad's dream come true. I have a secret for you this morning. Our dad, our heavenly father has a dream. And that is that his house will be full. Forever. For all eternity. And you and I, not the angels, not even Jesus, can do anything about it. Let me say that. Because He's given us that power, that invitation, that authority. He's given us a message, but not only a message, He's given us Himself. He's given us the power of God. Go out into all the world and make disciples. Build communities. Share the message. What is church? If you're new here, this is how we do church. This is community. This is fellowship. We have a message. We have the power of God living in us. And we create communities around that message. And if you think we're off the wall, yes, we're different. But we love it. Amen? Because it's not about fancy things. It's about the power. It's not about the natural, but it's about the spiritual. It's about God living in and now through us. And you guess what? The world can do a better show than we can. Of course they can. But the world cannot live forever. The world cannot see people born again. The world cannot live in the spiritual. The world cannot prophesy. The world cannot do the things that we can do. The exciting things of faith. So, listen to Romans 8 and verse 10 from The Voice. It says, If the anointed one lives within you, even though the body is as good as dead because of the effects of sin, the Spirit is infusing you with life now that you are right with God. So much of Christianity has been about getting right with God. And we're missing the plot completely. Because this verse says clearly, you are right with God when you receive Christ. Now you are indwelled with the Spirit, the power of God. And now the adventure begins. Getting born again is the wedding day. Living on mission is the life. It's marriage. 
We did marriage prep on Friday night, and I love to do marriage prep because there's so much of gospel in that. And I tell them every time, don't be disappointed if your big day is not what you think it is, or it's not all that doesn't tick all the boxes. That's just the start. That's the gun. Shoot, there you go. Do life together. Salvation is important, but that's not the end. Salvation is the start of the Christian life. You can't think, I oh, get saved, okay, get out of jail, now go live my life and have fun. You can. I'll see you in heaven. You probably get there before me. Because I've got a purpose. I've got a, a world to change. We've got, I, I'm, I'm literally driving around praying, God, what can we do in Stellenbosch? And he says, whatever you want to. The world is our playing field because where there's lost people, we have a commission. We have a mandate to go where people are lost. Back to Acts 2, verse 12. They all stood there, dumbfounded and astonished. Some of you look at me like that now. Saying to one another, What is this phenomenon? But other poked fun at them, saying, They are drunk on new wine. Oh yes, they were. And you know what Jesus said? The new wine is better. The new wine is better. The Holy Spirit wine. Peter stood up with the eleven apostles and shouted to the crowd. This, this fool who didn't even tell a service lady that he knew Christ now shouts to a crowd. Listen carefully, my fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. You need to clearly understand what's happening here. And this is my heart for you this morning. This is the crux of the message. We need to understand what happened at Pentecost. We need to understand what happened at the fulfillment of the Feast of Harvest. We need to understand, like Peter explains here, so that we can live from that place. He says, these people are not drunk like you think they are, for it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Good, day to, good time to start a service, don't you think? 9 o'clock in the morning. This is the fulfillment of what was prophesied through the prophet Joel. And then I love this translation. It says, for God says. We read prophecies and we think man said, but prophecies is God said. God had a plan. God had a dream. God said, I'm going to do something. And he says, this is what I'll do in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on everybody and cause your sons and your daughters to prophesy. And your young men will see visions and your old men will experience dreams from God. The voice translation says, hear what God says. In the last days, I will offer my spirit. The word really, the pouring out there is an offering. It's a holy act of sacrifice. And God says, I no longer want your sacrifices. No, I am changing roles and I'm now offering, I'm sacrificing not just my son. This is the crux. I'm not just giving Jesus. But because of Jesus, I'm giving my spirit. I believe for too long Christians have stuck at Jesus. We get stuck at the cross. But the whole Acts is about the church living in the fullness of the power of Christ, the Spirit, the poured out. Depending on your view, I don't really think it matters because they're all one anyway. But what I say more is we need to live past the forgiveness of sins and we need to start operating in power. And it might look different than you think. 
Again, like I said, the last few weeks, the best ministry opportunities I've had, not in church, ministry happens outside of church, was when I was serving people, serving next to people. And in that, you can have a word of knowledge, you can prophesy, you can, you can get people healed. But it all needs to point to Jesus, and it all needs to point to the part that they're missing, so that they can receive the God part and live with ever with us. Why? Because God has a dream, and that is that His house will be full. The voice says, I will offer my spirit to humanity as a libation. Now that is an outpouring, that's the offering word there. Your children will boldly speak the word of the Lord. Young warriors will see visions, and your elders will dream dreams. This is God's dream, that His Spirit will be poured out, verse 18, upon all His servants, men and women alike, and they will do what? They will prophesy. Where does the Spirit come from? Good question, by the way. Verse 32, He was talking about Jesus, the one God has raised, whom all of us have seen with our own eyes and announced to you today, since Jesus has been lifted to the right hand of God, the highest place of authority and power, and since Jesus has received the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father, He has now what? Poured out. And that is what you've seen and heard here this morning. When was the Spirit poured out? 50 days after Jesus died. Okay. Then you're, not, you're not good with math on a Sunday. It's not annually. It's not a subscription service like Microsoft where you need to pay every month or every year. It is a once-off sacrifice. It's like Microsoft Word used to be when you paid and you had it. Okay? This is different. This is you've got it. The Passion says of verse 33, Then God exalted him to his right hand and upon the throne of highest honor, and gave the Father, gave Him the authority to do what? To send the promised Holy Spirit, which is being poured, about, about, sorry, poured out upon us today. This is what you see and hear. The words of Peter. This is what has been poured out. So we cannot sing a song, pour out your Spirit. We can, but it's dumb. Because it's been done. Pentecost is fulfilled. The harvest is ready. The feast has happened. The Christ has come. The poured out His Spirit. He has come so that He can do this and He's done it. So what is the dream of God? Is that the Spirit of God be poured out by the resurrected, ascended, exalted Christ so that God can now live in us. That is the dream of God. How do we fulfill it? Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized. Get dunked into Christ and remain one with Him. We looked at this a few weeks back. The word baptizo is like when you make pickles. You don't just dip it in vinegar. It stays there. And it changes its shape, its nature. It now actually does what? It preserves it. You become one with Christ and you stay there. Repent. Think different. Every one of you. In the name of Christ. For the forgiveness of sins. Yes, that is part of that. But so that something else will happen. And what happens? And every one of you, in the name of Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not afterwards. It is when you get Christ, you get the Spirit, because Christ and the Spirit are one. For the promise, oh, whenever you see the word promise, 
in the Bible. Go do a study on promise. And promise and covenant is the same thing. Because that is what you do at marriage. You say, I promise, I give, I make a covenant. So when God makes a promise, He speaks about a covenant. Remember He said, you died to the old so that you can be married to the new. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, even as the Lord has called to Himself. Remember, John 17.3 says, And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I'm closing with this. Remember where we started. Hebrews 11 and verse 39, the whole of faith. And it says that with all these people, they had a good reputation because of their faith. They've got great stories. Samson is a great story. But it doesn't, it, it's not the full story. That's what Hebrews 11 is all about. This is great stories, but it's not the full story. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. God's dream is not fulfilled yet. For God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach what? Perfection. Without us. Woo! This is deep. So that they will not reach perfection without us. Now let's go on to the next chapter. What comes after 11? It's 12. So 22. Hebrews 12, 22 says, Now you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to be the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. This is about us. God is speaking about us. The writer of Hebrews is writing about us. He says, we are the assembly of God's children. We are based in the heavenly Jerusalem. Our names are written in heaven. You have come to God Himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. If you want to argue with me, then I want to ask you, what can you add to God's perfection? If you feel unworthy, God sees you perfect. If you feel empty, He has filled you unto perfection. If you feel you need more, Colossians says you are complete. If you don't believe me, Hebrews says you are perfect. The harvest is ready. Seed, time, harvest. Seed was Christ. Time was 50 days. Readiness is Pentecost fulfilled. I don't know about you, but I want to run out of here now. I want to go tell the world, guess what? You can be perfect. Yes, your sins might hold you back. Guess what? It's forgiven. You are loved. You are chosen. You are redeemed. You are ready for the picking. Because why? The Spirit's been poured out. The harvest is ready. And I'm closing with 2 Corinthians 13. 
Let me just tell you before we go there. The word perfect there means consecrated, finished, fulfilled, completed, literally accomplished, figuratively consummated. That's an intimacy term. To consummate a marriage doesn't happen on, in the church, if you know what I mean. Yes, there was a promised covenant. That covenant's fulfilled. It's consummated. It's perfected. And just like man and wife becomes one, man and God becomes one. And God's dream all along has been to be one with We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.